You're still in the interrogation room, but you've clearly got his attention now. The unnamed man is leaning forward, fingers steepled, listening to you recount this part of the story. He finally decides to ask a few questions. So why did you decide to stop communicating with this thing and opt to release and ambush it instead? As Castle liked pointing out, we were very new to this whole thing. He had the experience that said it was better to destroy the unnatural than try to understand it. So, we destroyed it. And this was something you had done before? I shift uncomfortably, not quite meeting his eyes as I reply, once, about a month and a half before this assignment. You don't want to talk about that, do you? There isn't a lot to talk about. It was our first assignment as our cell, cleaning up after a former member of the previous cell. We had to make some hard choices, but they were necessary. Fine. We can get into that another time. We have time, Special Agent Redacted. All the time I need. You do understand, don't you? We have a lot of questions that need to be discussed, and I'm a patient man. I very carefully set my empty coffee cup aside and sit forward, resting my arms on the table and staring coolly at him over my glasses. I'm cooperating with you, sir. There's no need for the badly veiled threats. You're cooperating thus far. So, tell me, why are there no remains of this Migo that you describe your team killing? Not a clue. And Castle didn't know either. Just another unnatural, unexplained event, I see. And when that was destroyed, I imagine you had some questions. <laughs> That's an understatement. And we were very keen on getting answers. Aren't we all? Continue. You're listening to The Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to pick up our story where we left off. My notes show that we are on Wednesday, October the 7th, about 12.30 p.m., somewhere out of town out in the, the vast countryside of Montana. You know, the four of you have just had a very unusual, very eventful, and to, to some, a very traumatic encounter uh, with a strange fungal sort of creature that came from the dead body of a man that you had locked in a barrel, poured acid all over, and let it cook. And it came out. And he released it from the green box. But after you released it, after having an odd conversation with it, we'll save that for later. There was obviously some intelligence to this, and it obviously understood what you were saying and was responding um, with yes, no responses before uh, you were encouraged to destroy it, uh, which you certainly did. Rooster was the one that hit it with a three shot burst that finally put it out and made it dissolve is the wrong word. It fell apart and dematerialized and sort of just. As the pieces disintegrated, it it left our frame of existence. And there is nothing left of it. There are the bullet casings on the ground. There's some marks and scorch marks. Uh, there's the echoes of gunshots still ringing in your ear. Uh, but whatever it was, is no longer here. And the four of you, five of you, because Castle is there with you, and he was one of the shooters. And he was right there with you. Uh, when it fell to the ground, he, put, he emptied his clip into it. He, he so kept you're saying there was it. a second shooter? Now, there were, there were actually, well, Rowan, I don't think Rowan shot at all. So there were four shooters in a particular incident. 
Uh, oh, no, I did shoot. With... I, I, okay. I, I did shoot once, once I circled around everyone, but Rowan got I wasn't shot at. as okay, serious. Because she didn't want to be left out. But R- River had an interesting situation where he definitely hit it, or he thought he hit it, and it didn't seem to hit it. But we'll, we'll figure that out maybe another time. So you the, know, uh, the, I must have just missed. Yeah, I it must have just that. been a bad angle. So you're there. Castle is there. He's finished reloading. Um, there's been a long silence where you've all contemplated what to do. And I believe you wanted to have some words with Castle where we left off. Is that correct? If there's nothing else here, I want to move to that scene. Unless you guys have something you want to say right here, out here in the, in the, uh, in the forest. I'm just assuming that we've gotten everything loaded into the, the horse trailer at this point. I believe you did before you did the whole barrel. That's my memory, at least. But if you didn't, you will do that quickly. There's five of you. It doesn't take too long. So we've got two vehicles. We've got Castle's truck with a horse trailer. And, of course, we've got your Range Rover. Um, I assume the four of you will travel in your own vehicle. Yeah. I kind of feel, I don't know, part of me wants one of us with Castle because I'm not trusting him anymore. But But I will defer to Rowan on that one. I think that he is right, and Rowan is suspicious is the wrong word, but wary enough now at this point to, yeah, she, I want one of us in in the, the truck with Castle, and I think it should be me. All right. I assume there's no objection for the team. I mean, I'm certainly willing to listen to any reasonable objections, but it makes the most sense to me. Unless we want two people in there, but. Are we all heading for the hospital from here? I think we're going for somewhere we can talk. Yeah. I, b- I believe our plan was to go and get lunch somewhere, uh, preferably in a back corner booth somewhere where we can not be overheard terribly easily. Castle has an idea where, where to take you guys. So he'll, he'll lead. And by the way, the truck he's driving is one of those crew cabs with the, the, the two rows. So it would be okay if two of you wanted to travel with him. Or the whole crew could travel, but that'd be kind of pointless. You've got another vehicle to move. Yeah. So yes, I, I at least will ride with Castle, and if anyone else wants to, they are welcome to, but I think I, I should be able to handle on my own if I need to. Rooster, are you okay to drive? You look terrible. <laughs> well, you ain't too pretty yourself, but uh, I'll go with Rowan just in case. You know, that way she has some backup, and maybe if I'm in the back, who knows? Okay, I'll, I'll drive the Range Rover then. I'm going to walk towards the truck and just forget to give him the keys. So, River, how do you want to get the truck? The keys, I mean. I I get in and look around and... Rooster, keys! Huh? Oh, right. I'll kind of throw them to him. Alright, Seth, give me a dex roll. (laughs) Okay! I can't check this off if I miss the... Nope, you can't. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have it for the pen. Or at least the second one. He's showing us something. Looks like that's an 01. That's an ot one. Wow. <laughs> of all the times to roll an ot one, it's, it's always something stupid. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's always something stupid. So, River, you just pop your hand up, and like, not even looking, you just snatch him out of the air, cool as cucumber, slip inside the truck, hit the start button, the Range Rover is ready to go. So I imagine Rory, you're hopping in with River. Uh, yeah, Rory would go uh, with River in the Range Rover. Okay, Castle's driving. Uh, Rowan sits in the passenger seat. Rooster slides in the back seat uh, behind. 
I'll start with Castle's vehicle. If you guys want to have any conversations, let me know. He's he's not very talkative. If you have some questions, he'll answer questions. Otherwise, he's just going to drive. And assuming the Ranger yeah. is following. Everything that Rowan wants to ask uh, is something that the entire team should hear. So she's she doesn't want him to have to repeat it. So mostly she's just here to make sure that he doesn't go ranging off somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting next to him, he's just driving. He's looking out the front. He doesn't glance over or glance in mm-hmm. his rear view or give any kind of suspicious affirmative gestures. He seems a little he seems a little tired this morning. You read of him, he just seems tired. He's I mean, he's an old man, but you can't quite read his age. Uh, he's clearly past the age of retirement. He's not he's physically and healthy. Um, he probably does work out here on the range, probably does you know hunting and, and fishing and whatnot in his retirement activities. I mean he looks like he's as fit as he could be. But he has his, his eyes have a tired expression on them. His mouth is a neutral, unemotional look. Um, and he just, he, as he drives, he looks, he glances at traffic. He looks at his, uh, his instruments. He looks at the road. He doesn't say anything to the two of you in the truck. And doesn't seem to even care that you're there with him. He's kind of lost in his own thoughts, maybe. We're, we're both pretty tired as well, so it, I, I imagine that I have like an elbow propped on the side of the, on the, side of the window, my, my chin on my fist looking out the window and just enjoying the, enjoying the scenery. It's a pretty day. It's a lovely day. Lovely out here in, in the countryside of Montana. He is driving you back towards the city of Helena, but uh, here it's, it's open, open fields, open hillsides, little bits of trees spaced here and there, leading up into small hills and mountains um, as far as you can see wide open spaces out here. Rooster's going to try and stay awake back there. What's what's your con? My con? Pretty high. Uh, give, me, give me a roll. I mean, my con is 70, even though my willpower at the moment is at 5. Right. <laughs> 90. Yeah, so you fall asleep about 3 minutes into the drive. Just, just eyes nodding, blinking, blinking, and at some point they just stay closed. And Rooster just leans back against the back window of the truck, his head on the back seat, kind of peacefully, quietly catching a, a, a brief siesta in the back of this truck. About 15 minutes in, he just screams. <laughs> just not a, like manly yell like a high-pitched just abject scream of terror all right i'm gonna roll some dice for for our friend castle here do i need to roll something <laughs> uh it's he catches by surprise but you don't have to, you're not driving so you don't need to roll <laughs> um the uh the scream castle actually hits the brakes when the scream happens and, and so rowan you hear it and you feel it as you lurch forward and rooster you're awakened by the truck kind of hitting the brakes River and, and Rory obviously see the truck for some reason stop, and you guys aren't that close, so you're fine. But Castle glances at the rear view and kind of stares at Rooster. I'm assuming Rooster wakes up at this point. Oh, he wa- the scream was, you know, he was waking up with it. He's just sitting there, eyes wide, bloodshot, panting in cold sweat, mm-hmm. and his hand is on his gun. Yeah, Rowan's gonna gonna pop her seatbelt off and like come up and around and kneel on on her seat and like lean over and just start talking very quietly to Rooster, not touching him because she can see how on on edge he is, but just talking to him and quietly grounding him, telling him you're in Helena, Montana. 
It is Wednesday, October 7th. <sighs> you aren't there anymore. It's- Castle opens up his, his uh, little ash the ashtray thing that they have in these trucks, of course, and there's a pack of cigarettes that's like halfway used. He offers it back to Rooster. No, no, I... Helena, right, just not... Okay, not, not Hellman, okay. Um, no. I'm, I'm alright, I'm, I'm okay. I'm You're just... here, you're with me, Brewster. So, Castle glances at Rowan, but she's looking at Rooster, he waits a moment for things to settle down. Just, Is just... it gonna be okay? Just, yeah, I just so. drive. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. You got, you got a caffeine in here or something? I got some nicotine. That's all I got. Yeah. It's good stuff, unfiltered. Okay, good. And he'll take one. And and um, Rooster. I mean, he's not usually a. Oh, actually, no. Rooster's got his vape. He'll he'll take that out and take a long pull on that. Hey, whatever mm-hmm. works for you, kid. He puts his cigarettes back, closes up the ashtray. I'll I'll take one of those when I'm outside. Sure. All right, I'm, I'm gonna keep this truck moving. You guys okay? We're good. Go ahead. All right. He signals, starts the truck up slowly. River and Rory see the the truck pull away again for who knows what reason. And you guys head back down the road towards Helena. Yeah, and I'll stay kneeling up on the seat for a moment, just eyes on on Rooster, to make sure that he's back. And once I, once I'm sure he is, I'll I'll turn back around and sit down again. Before I mean, he blinks, he takes a minute, and then kind of <sighs> looks up at her and goes, "Seatbelt." Yes, mom. Don't. You've read my file. Seatbelts. She'll incline her head a little bit, turn it, and turn around, and then sit properly in her seat again. Clip this the seatbelt in. Rooster doesn't say another word, but he doesn't. I mean, if he feels himself starting to fall asleep, he slaps himself in the face, kind of thing. He's not falling asleep again in this car. Yeah, Rowan's wide awake at this point. <laughs> Adrenaline is a hell of a drug. I want to cut over to uh, River and Rory. Is there anything the two you want to discuss while you're alone in the car? I think Rory might ask a little bit more about what he saw before, like when he was pouring the acid in, like how things were changing. Because Rory got a good look at the body when you're putting the bag in the barrel. And I guess what changed between that and Amigo. I mean, what do you remember, River? It's not so much that he doesn't remember. It's just that it it didn't really make that much sense what he was seeing. It's it, It's... I mean, he, he saw skin where there wasn't skin before, and movement, and, and it, it just didn't seem to be reacting the way it should have done. So you think it's because of the acid? Yeah, it seemed to be, I don't know, maybe getting stronger or, or growing because of it, or healing, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, because there, there was something different about the body already that I could tell, but I didn't think much of it. But, I don't know. It's still, still really weird. I could, wish I could have gotten a look at it before we... I don't know. I don't know. Any other questions? All right, we're going to cut to town. Castle drives his crew cab pickup truck with the horse trailer behind it, 
and he brings it up to this, it looks like a bar and grill. It's going to be Sam Smith's Bar and Grill. That's the fellow's name on the side of the the, uh, written in paint, uh, kind of fading paint on this kind of old awning that covers the front. Sam Smith's Bar and Grill. It's a big asphalt uh, parking lot surrounding this square structure of of an establishment. Uh, Smallish windows, brick exterior, double doors and whatnot. It doesn't look very populated. There's maybe three cars parked here. It is 12, actually now it's 1 o'clock, or 1 o'clock in the afternoon by the time we make it here, but three cars. So yeah, not a lot of people having lunch, and maybe it's not a lunch establishment. Castle stops the truck, steps out, closes the door, and assumes that the two of you are exiting as well. Yeah, I'll I'll pause in the truck for, for a moment and lo- look back at Rooster and say, you got it? <sighs> Frosty. All right. It's there. There's. That takes me back to Afghanistan. There's a reason I try not to sleep much. It's easier that way. I have my own nightmares. Different, but I get it. Oh, I'm. (sighs) Let me get some food and uh, coffee or something. I'm good. I'm here. Yeah. Hey, Rooster. Yeah. If you need anything, I'm here. I'm Frosty. And I have your six. Copy that. So Castle leads the group up. He just walks through the pavement. The rest of you all exit the vehicles, step out, follow him. He goes to the, the double doors and knocks on the door of the establishment, as opposed to just opening it. Waits patiently as the rest of you wander over behind him. Uh, somebody comes, hears some keys jangle, they open the door from the inside. Uh, hours of the establishment, it opens at 4.30, it looks like, as far as posted hours go. So he he nods to the fellow who lets him in, the guy nods back to him. Hi, John, that's what the guy says to Castle, and Castle just nods to him. As you guys walk in, it's basically, it's it's got a restaurant area, I mean, there's tables, No, it's set up for seating that nobody's eating here. There's a big you know big screen TV in the side for, for, for games and whatnot kitchen area which seems to be the lights are on but there's not much going on there's a side room with billiards so he asks the guy um, who let him in if he can use the side room places an order asks the four of you what you'd like to eat uh, get some food arranged and whatnot asks for a couple of beers uh, more than a couple of beers basically and then decides to kind of bring the group to the billiards room which is you know, next to the this dining area and so as a group of you come in um, there's some sliding doors he slides one of them and there's the, uh, there's two pool tables and a couple of smaller tables in the corners and whatnot, dartboard, a TV that's turned off, uh, posters, uh, memorabilia, sports memorabilia, whatnot, line the walls. Kind of dark in here, dimly lit because it's a billiards room, obviously. It just lights over the tables and a couple in the corner sconces. So he waits for a moment. Hit the, I guess his friend, who knows? The other guy comes back in, brings a, basically a, a tray with uh, eight beers on it. It looks like a domestic <laughs> brand. Leaves him on one of the pool tables, nods to John, maybe, um, steps out. So Castle waits for a moment. Before he leaves, Rooster raises a finger and goes, coffee? Yeah, yeah, uh, sure, I can, I can get that for you, man. Yes, uh, black, hot. That's the only way black. we make it. Good. So Castle takes one of the beers and just starts drinking. Doesn't say anything, just starts drinking. 
Rowan will sit on the edge of, like, perch on on the edge of one of the billiards tables and pick up the the cue ball and just like toss it from hand to hand to give her hand something to do. Just just watch his castle for a moment. Rory will grab one of the beers and start drinking. It's lunchtime. Eh. After what we've been through, I think a little bit of day drinking is acceptable. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's twenty twenty somewhere. River's mm. gonna gonna go off to the bathroom and and spend like ten minutes washing his hands. Smart. So sure. R- River cleans up. Uh, when he, River finally comes back, and Castle is starting on his second beer at this point, he seems to have he feels comfortable enough to start talking. So he kind of looks at the four of you. Yeah, listen, I, I'm not quite sure uh, what you guys want me to say, but uh, I guess I'll, I'll tell you what I know as far as you know what happened this morning. Ideal. How, how about this first? Yeah, you're from Chicago. Yeah, that's where I spent most of my time. That was where I was assigned as well. Whose green box was that? Uh, I can't remember which cell. L? K? Uh, God, I, I, they didn't give me that intel. Mm-hmm. What else? There is still a C cell. I, I have some of their information. Are they still in Chicago? Oh, God. You know, I wouldn't know. I haven't been in touch with those guys in a while. You know, um, when, we, when we stopped operating... I wouldn't be surprised if they're still there. At least what's left of them. I retired. I pulled the pin. I'm out here, you know. I got myself uh, seven acres. I can creekside land. It's a beautiful river. I can fish. I can. I got small herd. Uh, I, I, I got my, my family. Some of my family's here. You know, it's a good place to kind of spend the rest of your days and wait till you die. But you never quite forget what you saw out there, do you? You never forget. So tell us about Operation Mirage. Yeah, okay. Let me see here. 1996, I think. Yeah, yeah. We're covered for somebody else. I mean, we were in Tennessee for this thing. It wasn't Chicago. But uh, my, my team, we dealt with a lot of trouble. Uh, let's put it that way. We, we had a lot of expertise there. We were called in on some of the bigger jobs. So there's this little town in Tennessee. Um, God, what was the name of that? Groversville. Groversville, Tennessee. Just a little place up in the hills, right? One of those old, used to be a coal mining town, but there's the coal mines are all shut down, and there's just some, you know, just the people that they never leave. So there was reports. We got a guy, a, a friendly, who had told us that there was, um, what did he call it? He called it um, unnatural proto-matter. I don't know what the fuck that means. That could mean anything. But he was a friendly, we worked with this guy before, we trusted him, he'd seen something. Out in the fields, maybe. Or the farms, or the hill. I don't know. But uh, we, we went, of course, we gathered the team together. And I don't know why it was us. I don't make these decisions. We all got together, we got on a plane, flew out to Nashville, took the drive. Found the friendly at his farm, and he was dead when we got there. Right from the get-go. Uh, our only source, our only contact, he's dead. So it's just us. Um, I mean, most of us in the team, we've done a lot of this, we've done a lot of this wilderness stuff. We've done a lot of you know, we'd sit in a hillside, we'd watch things, we'd take pictures, we'd record, we'd spend days, hours. I, I spent a lot of time in the CIA when I was a lot younger than this. Uh, we did a lot of this spook stuff. This wasn't a big deal for us. We were patient, right? We didn't want to mess up anything. We we're sticking our nose in anybody's business. Uh, we don't know what the fuck's going on in this old town. So we're up in the hills. We set up, we're watching, we're observing, we're, and, um, and God damn it, God damn it, that majestic. Those guys majestic, they're there. Now, you four don't know this, right? 
they don't give you some delta green orientation or shit, right? Not at all. Nothing's changed. My ACL handler sent me a letter and that was about it. Nothing has goddamn changed. There's no training manual. They don't send you to DG training school or the academy or something, right? We don't get to learn all this stuff. It's every time it's like the, the new recruits, we just assume they just figure it out or they get fucked. Majestic is a, another was, was, past tense. Uh, one other one, our U.S. government, uh, wonderful projects. Um, they thought they were Delta Green. Uh, they wanted to be Delta Green. And in some ways, they were for a while. U.S. Air Force, Majestic, uh, back in the 50s, they started these guys because they found, yeah, you, I know, he looks at Rooster. I know you know who I'm talking about. They found those little green men. Gray men, I think. The grays. That, that's real. See? Fucking aliens. They found those guys. There was a crash. They found the saucer. They had the whole thing. They found them. They, they found Majestic was created. Um, it just deal with extraterrestrial. Delta Green was still around back then. Uh, Delta Green was uh, unnatural. That's Area 51, then? That's one of the many areas they had established. These guys had a, a black budget like you would not believe. And here was the thing. We knew this because we didn't trust those pricks. They, the ones they found were alive, right? They learned things from these greys. Um, and they were talking to these greys the whole time. They had scientists, they had researchers, they had the whole development team locked in some basement somewhere translating things. These little creatures had written these books. Uh, one of them was called the, re the Report, the Project, I don't know. It was, it was a spook story that we had heard where every year the President of the United States would get this report from Majestic, which the little gray men had given to them which essentially was to tell the president all the, all the weapons, all the nukes, all the uh, small arms, everything, everywhere in the entire planet was cataloged, organized, and updated on an annual basis. And we had that information, and Majestic loved to show it in everyone's face that they could get this information from God knows where, from their sources. And they got plenty of money. They were a necessary part of this U.S. government, and they got all the bells and whistles. So what was one of their little projects, right? 1996, they're still working. And we see their little gray men out there in the fields doing God knows what. That's, that shit's true. They're doing some experiments out there. Majestic lets them do this stuff, or at least they did when they were still around. So they're doing their thing. Majestic is covering for them. They have one of their blue fly organizations. Got a bunch of guys in black. Uh, the, you know, the vans and whatnot. Who's doing experiments? Is that the aliens? Yeah, whatever, the greys, that's what we call them. I don't know what, the, what their name is. They're little misshapen fellows with large heads, long arms. They're out there, right? So they're doing something, I don't know, they're implanting something in the livestock. I don't know, they're some kind of hybrid thing they're working on with these actual creatures. I don't know what happened to farmers, but um, well, we're up in the hills watching this. And we just so happen to see something else is also watching. Something else is there with us in the hillside. And it was those Miko. It's like they didn't even know we were there. And I don't understand that, frankly. We've been posted up there for God knows how long. But they are there, these things. The strange fungal creatures there with the misshapen arms, the six, seven different limbs and the heads. It's all wrong. They're watching what's going on in the field. And uh, one of the guys opened fire. And so we all opened fire. I mean, we're, we're all for one. We all start shooting at the Migo. One of them fired back. And I, I, who was? It's Charlie. I think it was Charlie. Yeah, there wasn't much left of him. But it was it was a short fight. We just lost one guy. Uh, we tore some of the Migo apart. The rest of them did whatever they do. It's, 
they rise up into the air um, with these strange wings that don't make any sense whatsoever. These strange misshapen wings, like the angles are all wrong. They shouldn't work. But they rise up into the air and they fly away. But there were two or three we had taken down and we moved in to, to secure those bodies and see what the hell was going on. And all but one of them disappeared. One of them didn't. It stayed there. We thought it was dead, but it didn't dissipate. We don't know why. Now, while this is going on, um, the greys out in the field, all the greys in the field, there were three of them, I think, um, they fell down like the strings had been cut on marionettes. They collapsed in the field, all this firefight occurs, and they didn't get back up. But we didn't have time to deal with that because Blue Fly realizes something's going on. We're shooting guns. They're, they move in. Blue Fly? Uh, uh, that's what they call the Majestic Hit Teams. They have their own special brand of uh, men in black or whatnot. But uh, Anyhow, um, somebody calls somebody. It wasn't me. Uh, it's collect, collected, collected. So we got pieces of that uh, Migo, is what they were told us it was, Amigo. We took it with us. Um, and we got the hell out of there. Uh, we abandoned that site. A couple days later, there was a news about a hantavirus that spread all through the town of Groversville. This horrible infection that people had caught. Thousands of people got sick with something after we'd left the scene. And I don't know, it, Majestic, they took care of that shit. It was Alphonse who wanted that sample. ASL. And we sent it to him. And, and Rowan's hand snaps up at that. Interesting. That was the last I heard of that shit. So when you say Majestic handled the virus outbreak, what does that mean? I don't know. You put two and two together, man. They did something. There wasn't a virus when we were there. There was I don't think there was a virus when we were there. I didn't never didn't hear about it, mind you. But I mean, two days later, we was, the news was all over. This little town, Groversville, Tennessee, a hantavirus explosion in the, the countryside, an area that we were in, and lots of people sick and dying. So everyone was everyone died or everyone got better. I don't know. I think I think a lot of the people died. A lot of people. Yeah. So I mean, um, we ended up putting that sample in like a ice cooler or something. We left it at a bus station. Another guy picked it up, put it on a truck. Within 24 hours, it went somewhere. I never saw it again. But that's... It's just too much of a coincidence. So yeah, what else you want to know? So you said Majestic doesn't exist anymore? That's the, what that's the story. Uh, it depends on who you talk to. Uh, this thing it wasn't in the news. You know, it wasn't reported. Uh, Majestic had been a black budget operation going on 50 years, I think. And there was a time when they had to report to the president like everybody else. Uh, not like we did that. After they stopped doing that. Um, I think it's sometime in the 60s or 70s, they just stopped. Other than, of course, the annual report. I think it was called the report. I don't know. They called it something. The, the weapons report they would send out every, every so often to the Joint Chiefs. They love that stuff. Story goes, uh, they recruited the wrong guy. That's the story. I hear it's a former Delta Green guy, but you know, that's what I hear. It was upon their board of directors. Uh, they cleaned house. They had a little infighting, a little, little civil war or something happened. And uh, the right people got in charge of that thing and shut it down. Uh, so that's what I hear. Who knows? You four don't know anything about us though, do you? I talk about them being shut down and I haven't told you guys shit, have I? No one has. Told us a hell of a lot more than anybody else has. Let me guess, Delta Green doesn't exist either, does it? We haven't existed officially in over... Oh God, when was it? 
1971 is when it all shut down. Why? Yeah. Um, I was U.S. military back then, an Army guy, a corpsman, junior grades, uh, just about to get promoted and whatnot. I was, I was there. I was in Vietnam. No surprise. Back in the day, back in the 60s, right? Uh, Delta Green was, was really, it was a sticker on your jacket. And if somebody in the military who was already part of Delta Green um, clearance wanted to do something that was Delta Green clearance, they would find the guys with the green triangles, they'd bring them all up. And sometimes they find some extra guys they liked, and if you if you made it, they put the green triangle right there on your folder. Uh, you were Delta Green cleared. You so you were ready for action whenever somebody wanted you to do something. It was a military operation. We had a lot of fingers all over the place, uh, but there was oversight, like you'd expect. You know, there was bureaucracy. There's paperwork nonsense. Uh, so we had this guy, uh, Marine Colonel Satchel Wade. I remember this guy. I was in the army. I mean, I never met him, but he was a legend over there in Vietnam, at least. But uh, he had found something, or so he claims. He had something he wanted, a Delta Green operation. So he picked his guys, a whole bunch of Marines. Uh, I had nothing to do with this. He sent them all into Cambodia. Uh, This was 1969, uh, like November. So he had some intel about these locals, the Chocho locals, that they were going to, I don't know, bring some crazy creature uh, summon some alien god. You know the shit we're talking about, right? Um, so he sends in a couple battalions. Not battalions, a couple platoons, I think it was. They don't make it. We don't know what happened to them, other than the fact that two of them came back and two of them killed Wade in his office. And then before the MPs got there, they killed themselves. So that was Wade. But whatever they had done, uh, it's trickled through the uh, Delta Green hierarchy, and his intel, I guess they thought, was solid, so they decided to up the ante. Uh, they sent a whole bunch of us in there. Not just Delta Green. Uh, they sent a whole bunch of regulars. They sent this uh, South Vietnamese army. They sent a whole bunch of action over the border into Cambodia. For whatever reason, we just go, right? And it was a, it was an absolute mess because, you know, uh, the Viet Cong were there. The locals were there. The, resist, the, the whole thing was there. And so we were fighting people we shouldn't be fighting, uh, burning down villages. We should have no business being anywhere near. And then one night we we knew why, we learned why, because whatever that thing was, was out there in the jungle, and it was larger than the trees. I saw it at night. I was there with my guys. We were just firebase, uh, Bravo, I think, and it was looming through the trees, moving, destroying, trampling, uh, devouring everything in its path. And so we opened up, of course. We radioed in for air support. The choppers, the helos came in, um, lit the place up. It would recover. It would recover. Whatever we did to it, it would heal. And it didn't matter what we what we threw at it. It just kept healing until we used the napalm on it. That's what did it. Burn that fucker. Is this an amigo? No. It was something... I don't know what it was. It was some massive, uh, ungodly beast with multiple legs and heads and... Ah, uh, the heads. I, I can't... I can't unsee it. But I can't quite put my finger on. I don't know what it was, but it was a mess. It was a it was a goddamn mess out there. And it was a political mess. Ultimately, we took that thing out using ungodly knows resources for the Air Force, the Army, everything we had. We took that thing out, and all of us who survived it got our little Delta Green Triangle. You know, congratulations. Uh, but after that mess and the political fallout, 
That was Johnson. I think it was Johnson. He pulled the pin on the whole thing. Asked the wrong questions to the right people. Got bad answers about who the hell we were and what this all meant. And our, within a year, our budget was gone. Our allocations were gone. Our resources were out. And so the surviving members, uh, the surviving hierarchy of Delta Green, met in secret a couple months after that and decided that this was too important to stop doing. And so we kept doing it. Uh, we had no headquarters. We had no budget. We had no authority. We had no hierarchy and no one to report to. We got permission from nobody. And we just took care of this shit ourselves using whatever assets we had. We had guys in the CIA. We had guys in the, in the military. We had guys in the FBI. We had people all over the world. We got people, trusted people in every organization that we needed. Treasury, IRS, uh, whatever we needed for money. CIA, we had a lot of CIA guys. Anytime we needed something, we knew somebody who we could trust. And we just did this shit ourselves for 50 some odd years. I mean, sometimes we recruited new cells. Sometimes the cells just went black. And there's been problems. There's been drama. Uh, we call this the cowboy years. That's how we refer to it internally. And a lot of us just did our own thing. Yeah, we got some hierarchy. We got established lines of communication. But a lot of that's like 60s era, 70s era spycraft that we just kept around because we didn't know anything better to do. So that's what the four of you were doing here. It's all these years later, they're still recruiting. I don't know who recruited you. Who recruited the four of you? Rooster points at Rowan. Technically, yes. I mean, I had heard from some suit, but I didn't get a name before you I didn't heard get from Rowan. How about, he looks at River. How about you? Who recruited you? Same guy. Who's this guy? Hell if I know. No code name? No, uh, no business card? No ID badge? Ah, they're good stuff. And none of you question this. None of you question this. Rooster had gotten a call before Rowan showed up, right? Right. Okay. Man, I didn't question it. I didn't have anything else going for him. I hear that. I know who recruited me. FBI, right? Her code name and her real name. Yes. Oh. And that's part of why... Well... She was she was there in the aftermath of the incident that brought me into Delta Green. And I did question. I talked to her about it quite a lot. But I didn't ask many questions about the organization because I knew she couldn't answer them. Or wouldn't. Same difference, really. Ah, I hear that. Well, they've always been able to pick talent. I, I give them that. we got people that are smart people. They can spot people that, uh, that fit. Right? He finishes his second beer and grabs a third one. Welcome to Delta Green. <laughs> and Rowan will we'll, we'll put the cue ball down next to her hip, lean over and grab one of the beers. So if none of this is official, I mean, the green box we inherited had a, a supply of money in it, but that's not going to last forever. Do we get money from the organization or are we supposed to rob a bank or something? Who's the organization? Who are you going to ask for money? I point to Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> if we're able to keep doing official task forces, then the majority of what we do is covered. But that does raise the question. This this is an official task force. I know the codes that, that came through. I'm fairly sure I know which department it came from. Yeah, we got people in the FBI. It's really useful. 
Um, if you want some funds, you want some friends in the IRS or the CIA. That's where most of the money comes from. But you got to have some friends. You can cover a lot of things with uh, domestic terrorism. It's all domestic terrorism. Call it terrorism to get away with anything. Exactly. It makes my job a hell of a lot harder sometimes, but, well. So what else do you want to know? You don't know anything else about these Migos. You weren't told anything else. <sighs> Who told me about the Migos? Another guy on my team. I can't remember which one it was. It's been so long. You know, um, fact of the matter is, before we were broken up, we had like a science division. We had research people. We had laboratories. You know, what, what did you expect, right? Uh, there was a headquarters. There was established buildings. Um, all that's gone by the wayside. But uh, a lot of that stuff, man, people snuck that stuff out. They, they took it with them when things got shut down. There was a lot of institutional knowledge. Some of the older guys kept the books, kept the journals, kept the studies, you know, the old recordings, a few of the old uh, strange objects that none of us were supposed to have. But, you know, you're going to keep that stuff. That's just human nature. Uh, what guy was it on my team? One of the guys on my team had told me, I just can't remember what his name was. A little guy. He never talked. A mousy guy. I didn't tell him that long either. He just knew a lot about this this stuff, you know. He talked to, I think he told Native Americans is what he said. Native Americans had told him about the Migo, like it was a part of their mythology. People from the sky. Aliens from the sky or something. And uh, theory is, is they've been here before us and they'll be here after us. They're, I don't know. I know that that alien, uh, what's that, that Native American custom about what, they came from the stars? Something like that? Something the Native Americans believe, like they're not... They're not humans. They're like they're they're star people. They're descendants, right? That they're really from the stars, and I guess they consider these uh, Migo, some kind of uh, ancestral something. I don't know. Just, yeah, just not my. Any idea what Migo means? No idea. Well, they don't seem like they're amigos to us. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Hey, hey, but hey, quit it with the bad jokes. That's my job. But I'll say this: there's, there's something. They're, they're strange. I've all, this is the second time I've seen them. I, I don't get them. I just don't get them. I don't. There's something. There's just there's something weird about these things. Something weird about these things. It had like six or seven legs. It looked like a mushroom lobster horror show, and it like evaporated. There's something wrong with them. Yeah, because I mean they weren't the usual bump in the night. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen a lot of stuff in my, uh, oh God, it's almost been 50 years now I've been doing this shit. I've seen things, I've seen horrors, and it's predator, prey, things that stalk, things that hunt, things that, uh, that feed, things that devour, those motives, those, those primal motivations that you sense from these horrible creatures. The Migo don't have that, and I don't know why. I don't know what it is that motivates them. I don't know what brings them. I don't know what they're after. They're not, I don't know. Maybe they're here to study. Maybe they're here to change. Maybe they're here to... I don't know what they're here for. I got no I got no theories. Well, you said they were just watching until you opened fire on them. That's true. We saw them just standing there watching. Um, and somebody in the team made the call. And we all backed them up. So do we really know they're hostile? All I know is that they're wrong. That's all I can tell you. Are we really going back to this whole talk to them and thing hey listen it's it's you guys got one life you can spend it however you want if you want to go make friends with the weird alien creatures 
be my guest. That's I, that's not how I lived this long. Well, do we want to be the kind of people who, anytime we meet something strange and unusual, the, our first reaction is to kill it? Well, most of this shit is pretty damn dangerous. I don't know what they were doing, but it's, it wasn't... I don't know if they're playing nice. And I don't know if, if their existence is something that's going to benefit us, or uh, maybe they're going to be like uh, How to Serve Man, and it's a cookbook, right? I don't trust these things. Okay. Let's put together what we know about these Migos, yeah? Sure. They're intelligent, or have an intelligence of a sort. And if I remember correctly, our two definite victims that we've seen, they were out walking when someone found them. No. No, the coroner got picked up from his house, didn't he? No, he wasn't. Wait, he was out walking too? Someone found him out on the side of, uh, out on the street and called an ambulance. I don't, I don't know who, but I remember that, that someone mentioned that, that some, at the hospital, someone mentioned that he had been found. And it was the same with the Benthic guy, uh, McCaslin. Wait a sec, wait. Were they going to the same place? Maybe, but I don't know what direction they were going in. But you know what this, you know what this reminds me of in a weird ass sort of way. Any of y'all have ever played that video game, The Last of Us? Do you shoot things in that one? The what? Yes. More stealth than shooting, but yes. Uh, no, not my style. It's a story-based game, and the there there was a thing that turned people into zombies called uh, cordyceps. It's a fungus, and it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Cordyceps, yeah. Out in the out in the world, it. Uh, usually takes over the brains of ants and forces them to go to places where it is most beneficial for the fungus to grow. Hmm. Controls them, forces them to walk, and then roots them down there, and it comes bursting out of the thing's body. That sounds very familiar. That sounds like the kind of shit that we deal with. What what kind of place is beneficial, what did you say? It, take, it makes the ant go to a place that's beneficial for it. Wherever a fungus grows well. For these things, they like heavy metals and acid. Uh, we need to see where... Do, do we know, like, on a map, where the coroner got picked up and where the Benthic guy was when he threw I don't up know. on him? I thought because... the coroner got picked up by his house. That's what I remember. Maybe I'm misremembering it. Somewhere by the house, but I don't know what direction he was going. We would have to get in touch with the emergency services and find out where he was and what direction. What they told us about how he got picked up. I think I was more focused on symptoms when you were talking to him. It was a a passing reference. It was essentially, you know, they, they, they picked him up and we glossed over it, but it's been niggling in the back of my mind ever since. How much you want to bet he was heading in a general pit direction? Maybe. That makes sense. These things, they, they, I mean, Rory, they turned the bo- the human body hostile to human organisms, basically, with the, with the heavy metal poisoning. So what if it's turning it into an environment that is great for growing this fungus in? This, I'm going to call it a cordyceps until I, until I know otherwise, the Migo. So where's McCaslin? I don't know. I'm gone. So now, makes, I, now I'm curious if uh, Christina Jacobs and the coroner 
are both where are the, what is what's happening with them now i wonder i don't know i think we need to check in at the hospital we need to check in with christina and we need to find where where the hell mccaslin's body got to i think we need to get in touch with um the other benthic woman gaunt gaunt yes linda gaunt Laura. I have it written down. Laura. Laura. I knew it was an L name. Laura Gaunt. We need to find her. We need to get in touch with her. She knows something because she was involved with whatever was going on with Benthic and the pit. So how are you guys going to talk to this woman at Benthic? I think talking to her at Benthic is not going to be a good idea. She'll be able to hold up. I think we catch her wherever she lives, which with my resources shouldn't be too hard to find. That's what I'd do. I don't want to go and assail the fortress without a hell of a lot more information. And Benthic is, I think, the core of all of this, at least in this area. Wait a second. Didn't McCaslin and Gaunt stick something in the pit and they kept coming back to check on it? And then the the scaredy cat guy said that one day they came in, looked like something was missing and ran off. Well, I don't think that he knew that anything was missing necessarily, but he said that they left a hell of a lot faster than they than they usually do. So here's my theory. Uh-oh. And again, this could be a terrible idea, it could be brilliant. Benthic had a piece of some or something. They were trying to grow this shit. They stuck it in the pit. It got out. It because it matured and the the leg muscle thing, whatever you called it, the quadricep, did. It grew up and it left because it had the heavy metals and all the crap down in the pit. It got McCaslin somehow. McCaslin went walking. He puked all over the coroner. Deputy. Deputy Sheriff. No, the Sheriff. That's right. And then the Sheriff ended up dying, gets taken. So the, the puke infected him or impregnated him or whatever the fuck it was. And then it, it got hit the coroner in the lab, and we just killed that one. Hopefully. Well, in theory, anyway. Wait, you guys are just dealing with the very last one of the string of how many? Technically, this is the second to last one, because this is the deputy sheriff's, not the one that's dealing that's in the coroner. Third to last oh, one, perhaps. Your with, coroner, uh, is your, is your coroner alive, or is he dead? Don't know well, yet. Well, I haven't gotten Rory, any have you heard anything? Nothing. Well, I'll check his phone again, but nothing as of yet. Last time, last time I was there was yesterday. When we, when did we leave? Four or five? Something like. I think we need to go to the hospital first and check in on that. I need to look up information on this uh, Linda Gaunt. Oh, well, I was actually uh, researching her. Was it just last night? Before we went out to the box? It would have been Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday night. Seems so long ago now. <laughs> it's been a long day. What did you find? Let me see if I found her address. Yeah, so you would have her address. You would you found that out as part of your research. I don't see anything else I want to give you. Neat. Here's what you know from doing the bio on her in the research uh, river. Laura Gaunt is a PhD, biochemistry is what her specialty is. Lead research and lead researcher and CEO of Benthic. Wow. All right. She, uh, she's a, a female, age 49, unmarried. Uh, you have an address and, and information for her. You have her stock portfolio, investments, vacation home, some subscriptions she's got. Kind of dug all this stuff up. And you can see her education uh, CV and whatnot. But she's been working for Benthic uh, for about 12 years now. Before that, it's some other pharmaceutical company on the East Coast, some other before that. It's mostly been pharmaceutical research, biochemistry. That's what her background is. Graduate summa cum laude from Princeton uh, on the East Coast. Uh, American citizen. 
no no criminal record, uh, no EPA complaints, no other complaints or other no press, uh, no other problems in her background. So yeah, Laura Gantz is the uh, CEO of Benthic. I did get her address. Is it in Helena? Yeah, it's just outside of Helena in one of the, the nicer places. A nice big estate. The CEO of, Pe- of Benthic is putting on a super special scuba outfit and diving into the Oakland pit. Oh. I think you're right, Rooster. This goes all the way to the top of Benthic. You might be right. Maybe they're growing something. Maybe they think they can weaponize it. Maybe too many questions, not enough information. We've heard this Benthic Corporation seems like it might have government ties. What if they're majestic? Are you asking me? Oh, that would be very oh, interesting. Shit. I mean, Delta Green went dark and underground. What if Majestic did the same thing? I mean, here's what I heard. They had a whole board of directors. Those guys all got golden parachutes. And who knows what they took with them. Any number of those guys could have taken any number of pet projects and uh, other interesting tidbits along for the ride. It's been, God, almost 20 years since they officially broke that thing down. So who knows what sprung up in the meantime. Well, we, we need to go try to find this woman anyway. But let's check on the uh, coroner first. The door opens uh, to the room, and uh, your lunch comes in. The guy delivers uh, some, some burgers, you know, baked beans, potato chips, other uh, odds and sundries, and whatnot. some french fries as well if you want those. So everything's there on the table. Castle pulls 40 bucks out of his wallet, gives the guy 40 bucks. The guy nods, steps out, closes the door. Help yourself. Brewster digs in. He just tucks it away somewhere. A couple of burgers, all the sides. I mean, enough for everybody else, but some of everything, and just puts it away. Yeah. Rowan's not super hungry after that conversation. <laughs> While you guys eat to whatever degree you want, so you guys can make plans. So go ahead. We need to stop in at the hospital and check on our coroner, and we need to check on Christina. I don't think we need all of us to do both of those if we want to split up again. I'd certainly like to get back to the hospital, see if I can be of learn find anything else out or be of any assistance there. We've only got the one vehicle unless we're going to commandeer yeah, I mean, Mr. Castle's uh, trailer here. Sounds like he's taken off. Uh, I'm, I'm going to move your stuff to a safe location. That's my plan. I mean, our police buddy should have fixed his tire by now. Maybe he could give us a ride. What happened to our police friend? <laughs> I think he might be rather upset with me after uh, I led him into the Starbucks so that uh, Rooster could sabotage a tire. I-, I did no such thing. I did not sabotage it. If I had sabotaged it, it would have blown up. <laughs> okay, fine. Whenever you did whatever you did, that gave us a nice slow leak that dropped him off a half block after he started following us again. I don't think I need to know about this. We could not lead him back out to the green box. Nah, you you don't need to know. It was simple, nonviolent, but you probably don't need to know. And he's a very he's a, he's a very intelligent fellow. He had some interesting questions for me that tells me he's putting some pieces together that I'm not fond of him putting together. So the faster we can wrap this up, the faster we can get away from someone who's sniffing a little bit too close. So what's the plan? I say you guys either drop me off at the hospital. Or if someone else wants to stay, they can. I don't know. And then whoever else goes to check up on, see if anything's changed with Christina Jacobs. That just seems like a time bomb to happen out there because no one else, hopefully no one else is interacting with her and stay contained there. But that seems like it could be a dangerous situation. I think that we stick with the buddy system. So I'm going out to the Jacob house because I have questions. 
And it sounds like Rory is going to the hospital. So who wants to go with me? Who wants to go with Rory? Still think we need to keep one military man in each team. So apparently I'm going to the creepy baby lady house. Don't go into the back room. Just trust us on this one. I'm good not being around babies in the first place. Sounds sounds great. <laughs> yeah, this is something else. Uh, we'll need masks and gloves before we head out there. Oh yeah, and Rory will pull some stuff out of his... He's got a pack with him. Probably some in his in his coat, to be honest. But then he'll, At if, this point. Yeah, and then he can give you some more from his back, like his pack, which is probably in the Range Rover later. You might want to pick up some more of those at the hospital. I'm, I'm sure they That's, don't inventory those as well. Yeah, I'm sure we could easily do that. I mean, it's it's not like there will be a shortage from a pandemic or anything. It should be fun. <laughs> in, in, in normal times, they don't inventory those very well. All right, so let's, uh, let's move forward then. Uh, the group first arrives at the hospital. Rory and River are dropped off there. I'll start with the two of you. You guys go inside. It's not that busy. It's going to be, well, it's two o'clock now in our story. You find the um, attending nurse who looked for Coroner Halsey. Uh, she tells you that his, uh, his vitals are stable. Uh, there's been a small amount of improvement. And if you want, the doctor is, he's doing rounds, but she tells you where you can find him. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Uh, and I'm trying to remember what I asked them to look into last time I was here. Uh, I will follow up. Anything come back on the IND report? Any bacteria, virus, fungal? Oh, remind me again. The nurse is a little bit confused with me by that. Yeah, the day before you'd asked to see if they had run on uh, bacterial, like uh, run the blood to see if there's any bacteria in it or any other foreign substances. Okay. She, she goes, and I'm trying to remember here. You've talked to her before, so... I think so. Uh, she've also talked to the doctor. Okay, so she's not going to make any the qualifications and whatnot again. She, she knows you're another doctor. So she goes, finds the labs, uh, pulls them out, sets them on a chart table for you, and lets you, lets you look through them yourself, because you probably understand them better than she does. So looking through them, you see that they are finding some unusual uh, fungal samples in there. His blood act has some sort of strange fungal sample that's unidentified. They don't know what it is. It requires further testing. It's noted in there, amongst other heavy metals as well. Okay. All right. So, Reverend, do you want to go with me to find the doctor, or is there something else? What else do you need to get done? Is the nurse in listening distance? Yeah, she is. Okay. Uh, did Did you want to take a look at him yourself? I would certainly like to go get a closer look, and you're welcome to join me if you would like, but I don't know if there's anything else. If you wanted to, I'm sure we could find that room again if there's anything you wanted to research. I didn't know want to tie you up. Why don't we go, go take a look at him? Okay. All right, so we'll go to find the attending. As soon as we're away from everybody, I whisper keys, and I try to, and I slip those, I slip those to River. Good idea. Rory had forgotten. All right, so the attending is busy checking on a patient who just got out of surgery and looking at some stitches and, and just just viewing the process of the procedure. Uh, you wait patiently when he's finished. He steps out the hall, closes the door, and he looks at you and says, "Um, uh, Doctor Redacted, I think." Yes, I don't. For no, I don't believe we met. I spoken to the head nurse yesterday. I'm here with the task force, FBI task force. We, we talked. I remember I talked to you a little bit about about your patient. I remember that's, the corner. Okay, right? that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember you. Yeah. So um, I guess you look at the uh, the nurse is no better. He's I mean he's pretty stable at this point at least. So that's that's good news. I think we're making a little bit of progress on him. You know, we got um, I'm giving him some chelation therapy, uh, some acid neutralizers, sodium bicarbonate. Things like that to try to deal with the problems, uh, the infection that we noted. So and it seems like it's having some effect. At least he's not getting any worse. He might even be conscious at this point. I, I haven't checked on him. A couple more patients I need to see first, and then I'll probably wander in there. 
Uh, do you mind if I check in on him? And yeah, sure, help, help yourself. Okay. Is that is that fungal stuff uh, going down at all? I, I haven't looked at the labs yet. I couldn't tell you. Okay. But uh, and River is looking around trying to spot where, where the corners or personal effects are. And so when you go into the, his room, it's it's been secured now, thanks to your suggestion. You know, it's got the little label on the outside about uh, the, the required PPE that you have to wear and such. And he's in a room by himself. You guys mask up, glove up, the whole thing. Lights are on the inside. He's in a he's in a hospital bed. Uh, machines are hooked up to him. You can see him before we the before we go in there. I would nudge River and point him to where I took the keys from as we passed it. I think was that one of the nurses' stations or something like a locker. Yeah, there's actually a locker in his room. Is where you took him from. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that case, yeah, so yeah. you get those keys to get his vehicle, or return the keys. Excuse me, return the keys. Yeah, I want to return his keys. So well, River takes care of that, and Roar, you approach. Um, uh, he's laying in bed. Uh, machines show a pretty consistent heart rate, and blood pressure, whatnot, seems to be pretty stable. And last time, if you can remember from last time, it looks a little bit better. The heart rate's a little bit better. It's improved a bit. So you get a sense okay. that maybe he's doing better. He's he's laying in bed. His eyes are closed. He doesn't have a ventilator or anything like that. He's he's just got the IV, and that's about it at this point. And he's just laying there peacefully. Uh, do I notice it, notice any difference? Like physic- So physically, he looks pretty much the same? See, um, your alertness. Roll that for me. Oh, gosh. Nope, that is a fail. Not a not a critical fail, but a fail. Yeah, can't tell. Looks okay. probably the same. Cool. I'm trying to think what else Rory would check on. He's, is he conscious? I don't remember what you said if he was... His, his eyes physically. are closed. Okay. I guess he might try to see if he'll respond if he touched him. Dr. Halsey? Dr. Halsey, can you hear me? Is a flicker behind his eyes. This is a light flicker. He moves his head a little bit. This is a, sh- a slight reaction. He'll walk over and kind of uh, shake his arm and say it again. Eyes blink, blink, and open up. Uh, and he ex- exhales a little bit. Uh, looks around curiously. Uh, so who are you? Hi, Dr. Halsey. I'm a doctor redacted. I'm here with the FBI. How are you feeling? I... Uh, where am I? Uh, you're at the hosp- local hospital. You've been here for... I don't remember how many days, but a few days. I think it's about two days. It was, yeah, I think it was over the weekend they brought him in. I don't remember. Uh, what, do you re- so, what do you remember? What do you remember about before this? What, what was I doing? I was... Uh, I was at home, I think. I was... Yeah, I was... Um, I was at home. Um, I feel pretty, pretty sick. Uh, we got flu, a stomach virus or something. I'm real sick. And, and um, oh, shit. Oh, um, hang on. Okay, you passed the sand roll. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I was, I was eating things. I was eating um, the batteries for my remote control, the battery for my cell phone, uh, some stuff. Stuff in the kitchen, uh, kitchen implements. Uh, I found some fertilizer. Something from the back. I was, I, I was eating things. I don't know what the. F- I don't. That's all I remember eating these, and then I, I saw something. It was, oh, what was it? Yeah, it was. I saw something there. It's something behind. God, I can't picture it, but it was there. These. 
like a cloud, maybe. Or uh, I'm not a I'm not a religious man, but if I was a spirit, maybe something there uh, talking to me, uh, calling to me, and that's all I remember. I don't know what I was doing. I was at home the whole time. I I was I think I was hallucinating. I was, it was it must have been the illness. And then the next thing you remember is waking up. Yeah, this is about the last thing I remember. This is, yeah, I don't. The last thing I remember, I was in my house. Was it calling you to anywhere in particular? It was something. They were saying something. I don't know. I, I think I was hallucinating. I must have been hallucinating. You know, like like a like a chorus. You know, like the chorus of angels, right? The sounds, like, you know, like maybe I was dying. I think I was dying and going to heaven. Maybe that's what it was. What do you remember about uh, Detective Jacobs? Uh, who's who's that? The sheriff's deputy died relatively recently. You were doing the autopsy on him. Oh, I, yeah, I've, I've done a couple autopsies. I do a couple a week. And um, what was it about that guy? Oh, he had in his stomach. Did you look at his stomach contents? Something was wrong uh, with his stomach. He had heavy metal poisoning. Right. That's what. That's why he died. But that wasn't. I mean, technically, that's why he died. Pathology-wise, I mean, if you tell me, you know, it's like somebody dies in a car accident, I say blunt force trauma. You know, technically, blunt force trauma, but that wasn't really what killed the guy. Heavy metal poisoning, technically, killed that guy. But he had some things, uh, his stomach was a mess, his, uh, his gut, lower intestines, the other organs had been infected with something else. Like, like maybe he had been eating batteries? Batteries or bullets. Take a look, it's got to be in my report. Would it be? Would it have been in the report? I don't remember. I don't think I got the those details. I mean, I I, I must have put that in my report. That's that's that kind of finding. You know, why would I leave that out? I remember that. Did anything else happen during your autopsy on Detective Jacobs? It was. I mean, it was a little strange. I remember I, had, I reported to the sheriff's office. Their guys were there. You know, there was one of their own. So. One of their guys actually stood in for the autopsy, I think. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, some mustachio guy. Uh, Hayes, I think. Anyhow, I mean, I, they got the, my reports. I had to report it to the, uh, the county. Heavy metal, I have to report that stuff. So, paperwork. I got sick the next day. Stomach flu. That's all I remember. Did you get exposed to anything from Detective Jacobs during the autopsy? Any breaches in protective equipment? Uh, you know, doctor to doctor, it's an autopsy. Um, you, I'm sure you've done a couple. We don't worry about contamination. When we, I got my gloves on, and when I dictate, I dictate my autopsy, so I don't really cover my mouth. I, I, I got to talk. So I, I sometimes wear the face screen, especially if I'm doing if I'm doing cutting or the saw. I put the face screen on for that stuff. But otherwise, I just glove it up. I got my apron. That's 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 how we do this stuff. So maybe that's it. You know, that makes sense. I don't know if you've, I guess you haven't talked to the doctor yet. Um, I think she's on her way here, but they did find heavy metal poisoning. That's what they are pretty sure has happened to you. It looks like from what I could tell, it was same, same symptoms as with Detective Jacobs. I think I was eating stuff. I remember that. I shouldn't, stuff I shouldn't be eating. What are they treating me with? What are they doing? You have, uh, you have, you have the chart? I can probably find it on the table and I can tell him some of the stuff that I have learned. So he's curious like a doctor would be about when he looks at this treatment in course of, you know, oh, okay, all right. Uh, okay. So, yeah. so he finishes reading all that, he gives it back to you and says, 
yeah, that ought to work. I mean, if, if, if they get the heavy metals out of me, I should be okay. And whatever it is for this fungal infection, maybe that'll work. Yeah, I don't know. I, at least, hey, I'm talking to you. So that's something. Yeah, progress. You look a whole lot better than yesterday. Oh, you guys are yesterday? Briefly. All right. Um, a, anything else I need to know? Hey, how's, how's the lab going? My office. Oh, your assistant runs a tight ship. We can't. We couldn't get in there if we wanted to. Yeah, Sarah, she's a good kid. Uh, we actually we came by looking for you to talk about Detective Jacobs. That's how we found out you were uh, out sick, as it were. Right, right. Hey, hey, listen. If you have more questions, I'm I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Well, uh, and I'll leave him the number for the phone. Whatever number I gave the head nurse, probably the burner. Got it. All right. So you leave it. Work your way out. Take all the PPE. PP, I'll flag EF if stuff. I don't. If I see the doctor on the way, I will flag her down and. Yeah, she's checking on somebody else, but uh, when she's finished, she wanders over and says, Oh, yeah, do- doctor? He woke up just now. I didn't oh. know if you wanted to go in and talk to him. How's, how's he look? How's his, uh, how's his he, state? He seems, his mental state seemed fine. I kind of explained a little bit, but I didn't want to go. I, I, he looked at the chart a little bit. He's a doctor, of course. Um, figured he'd want to go in and chat with him, see, so let him know. But as far as, it was my understanding, he hadn't been awake yet since during his stay. Yeah, that's right. He's been unconscious the whole time. Okay. Well, yeah. You just seem, he was just chatting with me and my colleagues. So. Oh, good. It's progress. Yeah. Is he uh, hungry? Keep me. Uh, I forgot to ask. I'm sure he. I'm sure he is. The nurses will take care of it. That's part of their job. Okay. All right. Yeah. A couple more patients. I'll, I'll. I'll check in on them. Don't worry. I got it. Okay. We'll cut. We'll go ahead and cut. So let's cut to the house, the Jacob house, as Rowan and uh, Rooster head over there. Do you guys want to talk in the car before you get there, or just go straight to the scene? A little bit. After kind of a uncomfortable kind of silence, without looking at her, Rooster just staring forward, he says, Gonna ask? If you want to tell me. I mean, you read my file. You you know why I'm worried about seatbelts, at least. I don't know how much of the cave thing is in there. Almost none. It's mentioned. But I could have dug deeper and found out more, but I wanted to hear it from you. Whenever you're ready to tell me. Let's just say, uh, I mean, (laughs) I was scout sniper, marine raider, had a team. Don't know. It was classified at the time. I don't know how much you know with Delta Green access and whatnot, but let's just say what we found in the caves in Afghanistan on our last mission wasn't Delta Green should have, we should have gotten green triangles on our uniforms and our files from that shit. Alright. The the short version is it's hard to think back now that I know this shit exists for real. It's hard to think back and try and put it together. It's been five years, but there were people that met guys there in the cave, you know, doing some kind of chanting mystical religious shit and then something appeared i don't even know what the fuck it was but when it was all done there were a whole lot of dead people a lot of uh other nasty fucked up shit that people normally don't do to people and uh (laughs) they they couldn't prove anything 
because how can you prove such shit like this? But they had to blame somebody, and, well, mental health discharge works well enough to get rid of me. But, you know, it still comes back. The worst part is sometimes, sometimes the, the dreams aren't even of the thing. It's just, it's almost worse when it's just me and my team and they're all still alive. I don't know why yeah. the fuck I'm telling you all this shit. Nobody even believed me when I told them at Walter Reed. Well, I'm not them. I've had my own experiences with the unnatural. And I believe you. So, is it all tight spaces or just underground? <laughs> you caught that. Damn. I mean... You, uh... No, I, I caught the hesitation how you didn't come into the box for a while and back at Shaver Lake you uh you I mean when we had to burn that woman or thing whatever she was at that point please you, don't uh, remind me of that when Shaver Lake happened your reaction was a lot more personal than just weirded out I know look I know I'm an asshole I, I know I'm a fuck up but I care about my team I keep my team alive and you're and you're my I know you don't like you don't like calling LT it's a I'm a I was a gunnery sergeant LT is a sign of respect you're in charge I didn't mean to snap at you with that I was on edge after Castle called me a kid not terribly thrilled about that um it's it's underground stuff I uh, don't I don't mind tight spaces it's underground that I cannot do easily um I'll tell you about it at some point, but we're almost there and I need to get my head in the game. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Joseph Newman, and I play Rory. I'm Thomas Ogus, the handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detwiller, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. The Chapter 1 story is based on the scenario Extremophilia, written by Shane Ivey. If you like our story, there's two things you can do to support us. First, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to each new episode of the story, Rowan's written reports for each chapter, as well as access to bonus episodes that explore the background of our characters and the story. And if you can't support us directly, please support us by telling people about us. Uh, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Share us on social media. We're on all the usual social media sites as The Redacted Reports. Thanks for listening. <laughs>